does the plant-based diet correct stubborn insulin resistance? And if it's so, how long would you expect a person to start being able to lose weight once if you have stubborn insulin resistance? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is the only diet that's ever reversed type two diabetes, which is basically an advanced form of insulin resistance. So absolutely it helps. And like I said before, I have my clients alert their physicians if they're on hyperglycemic medications, because it could happen that quickly. It could happen within days, if not a day, like sometimes it's so quick that you have to be really careful because you don't want to become hypoglycemic. So insulin resistance is, you know, basically from eating saturated fat and from eating refined sugars and all the Western diet standard that we are, people are consuming when you switch to whole plants and have all that fiber. And of course, exercise is really important for insulin sensitivity as well, but, but the diet itself will change that. And it happens very, very quickly. So can't recommend it highly enough. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Paula. Next we have Alejandro. Alejandro, what's your question? Alejandro? Hello? There? Yep, we hear you. Hi, Juliana. Thank you for your presentation and, and thanks for all your enthusiasm and optimism. I really appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> my question to you is um, what? how important is uh, breathing before you start eating to get your body in the right state for digestion? Oh, interesting question. I don't know if there's a scientific study that I've read about that. I know that breathing is important and get it, you know, the breath is the one connection between our mind and body. So I have a mindful meditation. You guys, if you want this meditation to email me or look on my podcast, uh, it's also on YouTube. It's a mindful meditation for eating. And it's about setting the stage for a really um, calm and mindful eating event. And we don't do this often enough. And so I have it where it's like, you're taking deep breaths and you're sitting there and you're looking at your food and you're taking in the beauty of the food and you're smelling the food and you're trying to engage all of your senses. So how long does it, you know, maybe if you're more well-seasoned in practice and you've been doing meditation for years, maybe you only need one breath, maybe you need a few breaths, maybe you're like in a crazy frantic environment and you need more time to calm down. Maybe you have had a very calm day and you're just ready to sit and eat your meal, you know? So that's a very good question. I think it's very, I would guess, again, I haven't seen a study on this. I'm guessing that it depends on where you are right now and your experience, but anyone that takes a breath or two before eating and really appreciates and tastes their food. How often do we sit down and actually taste our food and chew our food, right? Not often enough. And so that's what that meditation is about. It's about really enjoying the food. And the more mindful we are about all of this process, the more empowered we are. So I love your question because I think it's, it's important to think about taking a breath or two before sitting down for a meal and always throughout the day, taking a breath or two, there's, there's never enough times to remind yourself to come back to being mindful again. So thank you for that question. Thank you, Juliana. All right. Thanks Alejandro. And next we have Andrew. Andrew, what is your question? Uh, hi, Juliana. Great presentation as always. Um, with regards to food sensitivities, food allergies, things like that, what symptoms should we be looking for? For instance, like if someone can eat uh, food to abundance and really the only symptom they have is some extra gas, does that mean that they should be avoiding a food? Does it mean that you should do like a biomarker test? Does that raise inflammation if they have extra gas? Because you hear so much about avoid this food, avoid that, everybody stay off gluten. But if somebody 
if the only symptom somebody has is gas, does that mean that food is a problem or is it you have to look into it deeper? Thank you. So nice to see you here, Andrew. Thank you for that great question. I love that question. And, you know, that's such a, oh, people get so caught up in this. And I grew up with a father who is deathly allergic to nuts, like anaphylaxis allergic to nuts. And that was rare at the time. You didn't really hear about this. So we would go to restaurants and we would always be like, my mom would be like, no, really, he will die if he has a nut. Like, it's like such a big deal. Even if like it gets in his tongue, he could die. And it was a big deal to have an allergy. And that has evolved and in so many ways over the last 40 years or whatever, since I've watched it. And, um, now people are allergic to all sorts of things and avoiding things for all sorts of reasons, especially gluten. You mentioned gluten big one. I wrote a whole book on that. The complete idiot's guide to gluten-free vegan cooking, because there's so much misinformation about gluten as if gluten is some kind of poison, but really it's just like some protein in most foods that are wheat or rye or oats or barley, but not most people are fine with it. So I would say if you're not allergic, like my father, where you will have an anaphylactic response to something or anything tolerance wise, like some people, my sister has asthma. And like, so like we know certain things. In fact, we had this conversation last night, me and my sister, like, she's like, oh yeah, I, I was trying to move around this, what, whatever it was like gluten on this thing. And, but I, I had a little bit. And so I had my, my inhaler last night. So I think to a certain extent, it gets down to tolerance. How much can you tolerate? If you're having a little gas, but you really want to have that bowl of pasta, is it worth it? That's your decision. If you're going to have an anaphylactic experience or an asthma, asthma attack, that's a different story. So how much can you tolerate and how safe are you? Like first is safety, right? So I would never tell someone that's allergic to nuts in that way or allergic to my dad's nuts or allergic to nuts. He's not nuts um, or allergic to dairy or whatever it is. Dairy, most people are. I've developed an allergy to aller uh, dairy from just not having it uh, for so many years. And when I accidentally have it, I have an asthma attack, which is crazy. Our bodies are so so fascinating. You know, the, the immune response, everything's so fascinating. So it depends on tolerance when it comes to something as simple as gas. If it's something that's like perpetual and painful, and there's all sorts of things that can come up, people get, you know, eczema and they get, um, they, all sorts of things, allergies, breakouts, what can you tolerate and what's dangerous? So I would say it's up to you to some extent. And those other things that are like anaphylaxis or asthma would be serious. And you would want to avoid that at all costs. But um, if it's something as minor as gas and it's really worth it for you to have whatever said thing is, do it. It's up to you. You get to decide. So I would say choose you now, even when it comes to intolerances. And the way to figure those out, by the way, let me add one more thing to that. When someone comes to me and they're having all these weird symptoms, mix and match what I just said. And I say, okay, so what causes it? You never really, it's the hardest thing is to figure it out. I don't think those scratch tests are very accurate. The blood tests are not very accurate. Sometimes you'll just see exactly what you ate the most of will show up as the things you're most intolerant of. The most effective way is to do an elimination diet. I've walked people through it. It's kind of hellacious and difficult because you have to cut out everything and have two foods and then build upon that. Another way to do it, the first step I do with my clients is a very detailed food and symptom journal. So you keep a food journal. I do date, time, what you ate. And then when you have a symptom, whether it's a breakout or an asthma attack or whatever it is, you write it down. And then you start to look for patterns and like over weeks, it's very tedious and it takes a long time, but that's like a really accurate way of figuring out what you may be intolerant to. And then you start cutting those things out and seeing if ever overall your symptoms improve, but it's a matter of, it's very tedious. You have to be like your own detective again, um, to determine what those are. And, uh, but sometimes it's worth it. If you're suffering, it's definitely worth it. And how long do you typically eliminate a food for to, before you can try to introduce it? 
Right. Well, if you know that it's something that you're intolerant to, I would give it, sometimes it takes a few months. You know, we are in the infancy of understanding immunology. And I think these things are changing all the time. We're learning all these connections with the microbiome. So it's a little bit up in the air. So some people say some things and some people say other things. Again, I think there's some inter-individual variability here, depending on your uh, microbiome and all that. So I would say go as long as you can. And then if you want to try to bring it back, maybe like, I don't know, a couple of weeks and see sometimes months. And if you do it a couple of weeks and you still have the symptom, then maybe wait a few months and try it again. You could do it like that, but there is no perfect clear cut way to do this. It's one of those, like, you just have to kind of play it out and see how it works for you. Unfortunately. Thanks for the detailed response and congrats on the new book. Thank you, Andrew. Nice to see you. Thanks, Andrew. Great question. Next we have Joan. Joan, what is your question? Joan, are you there? Yes, I am. Great. Yeah, we hear you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Juliana, for the wonderful presentation. Um, I've always led quite a healthy life till about 20 years ago when uh, work circumstances and being on call and crazy shifts kind of took over my life. And I uh, gained a fair bit of weight and I became pre-diabetic. And about three years ago, I realized I had to make some changes and uh, I saw very slow results until about a year ago when I went plant-based and then it was quite miraculous I've lost uh, 60 pounds in the last year. My, all my, uh, my lipid profile, my A1C, my blood pressure, everything's great. Um, I'll be 73 next month and I'm not on any medications. I feel fabulous. I'm active. I'm biking at least 100 kilometers a week. My problem is I have to find new younger friends. Because- <laughs> Because none of my friends can keep up to me and I have trouble not being judgmental when I'm with them and they're talking about their aches and their pains and their pills they're on and and I I want to preach to them <laughs> because they don't have to live that life. They they can change it. But uh, I just have to bite my tongue and, and thank you for that information because you can't change someone they have to change themselves and they have to have the desire i just wish they could all feel as 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 good as i do and thank you so much for all the information oh joan congratulations (laughs) and i'm so happy for you and that is such a good problem to have right that you need younger (laughs) friends and but yeah you you're a lighthouse and you are i mean i just heard you for a minute and you're a lighthouse and they are seeing it and if they want it they will ask you but um, yeah, find people that are on like-minded so you can have more of that stuff in your life, but also just be a lighthouse and keep up the amazing work and congratulations. And that's what I love. Results are typical. Like you just did this and look what happened. It's amazing. So you're a testament. Exactly. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And my doctor now asked me for advice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. By the way, yeah. I wanted to say that exactly. I wanted to say that back then. That's another way that a lot of doctors are moving in this direction is that they send their patients home with medications. They see that their patients actually do uh, this instead. And then their patients are teaching the doctors and they're like, oh, wait a second. What? And the doctors that are really like ready for this information are like on the path. And they're the ones that are now studying it and like learning it themselves. So yes, bring it to your doctors. This is all good. This is how we're making this a revolution take place. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you.